Hi, I'm Sifu Henry Araneda. I'm the founder of the Ultimate Martial Arts Academy. And with over 20 years of teaching experience, I've become obsessed with helping people improve their Wing Chun knowledge and skill by teaching them how to approach their training efficiently and effectively. I've created the Wing Chun by Design podcast to give you step-by-step strategies to take your Wing Chun to the next level. So guys, let's get started. Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of the Wing Chun by Design podcast. So today is a special episode because I'm not alone. I've got one of my senior students to my right, Stefan. So welcome to the episode. Hi Sifu, hi everyone. So basically to introduce Stefan to you all, he is one of my senior students. He's been with me for a long period of time. It's been, what, 16, maybe 17 years. And uh, he started training with me at my first location. So you may not know, but currently we are at our third location since uh, establishing our school. And um, yeah, so Stefan is a phys ed teacher. And uh, when he started training with me back in maybe 2004, 2005, he had already some previous Wing Chun experience. So we'll be starting the episode with that. So that way you can get to know little bit about when I established the first applied Wing Chun school here in Australia. Even though, as you know, Stefan, my Sifu, back in the day with a bunch of other Wing Chun guys, uh, Yip Man students, they came to Australia basically in the late 50s. Mm-hmm. So I assume most of you guys know that Bruce Lee went to America when he was something like 18 and there were a bunch of Wing Chun students, uh, excuse me, uh, Yip Man students that came to Australia. And uh, one of them being my Sifu, uh, William Chung, and a few other uh, Wing Chun guys came to, to Australia. But anyway, that was decades ago. My Sifu was here for a, a short period of time. And then decades later, I established officially the first applied Wing Chun school here in Australia. Just to give everyone at home a bit of, um, I guess, perspective. See, back in the day when I established the first school, I had experienced teaching. I had taught Wing Chun overseas and uh, locally as well in uh, community centers. And, um, and I started teaching officially like to, to a group of students in one of my students' garages. So mm-hmm. that's where I officially started. And when I, because most of you may not know, I was born here in Australia, in Sydney, and my parents are from Chile. That's my background from South America. So I'd lived in Chile for 12 years. And then during my teens and my early 20s, I always knew that I wanted to come back. And since the age of 14, I knew that this was what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. I wanted to teach martial arts. So when I came back to Melbourne and back to Australia, uh, you know this story, I came back with $20 in my pocket. I had nothing, Mm -hmm. right? I I didn't come from a rich family. I didn't have connections because, as I said, I was born in Sydney. So when I came here to Melbourne, I was just basically like a new immigrant. I didn't know anyone. I didn't know where to start. Nothing. So when I... um, 
found a job, odd jobs. Then I started teaching and I would teach at a student's garage. And then we had a little group of students. We had four or five students at the time. I said to myself, I'm not going to reach my goal in teaching and promoting applied Wing Chun out of a garage. Mm-hmm. So immediately I knew that I needed to start teaching in my own place, like a, a, a proper academy. So anyway, when I worked really hard, I worked and uh, just busted my back working hard for 14 months. And during that period of time, I was still teaching these kids. And um, I finally found a place of my dreams where since the age of 14, I would draw pictures Mm. of my dream school. And at the time, I, I always thought of it being on a first floor up above and having the windows looking out to the street. I had all that image in my head for years and years. And when I finally found the place, I could not believe that the place that I had found was the same one that I was envisioning for years and drawing pictures. And then anyway, I had no money. Like I had just enough for the down payment and... I knew nothing about business. So that's the thing. A lot of people think, uh, you know, just because you've done martial arts for years or you're a black belt or whatever, automatically you're going to have success with running a business. And um, when I opened the school, I had, (laughs) I think I had one body shield, like one kicking shield. I did have my wooden dummy. Okay. And I had mirrors. Yep. And that was pretty much it. I had no chairs, no yep. anything. So when I set up the school, I just told my students, and again, I had like four or five students, and I said to them, bring your friends, your family, your neighbor, your grandma, your grandpa, everyone to the opening. And when I did the opening, uh, that day, I just had a clipboard with a paper and a pen, and I started passing it around after the demo. And with the demo, I killed it. Like we nailed it. It yeah. was really good. And then once everyone saw the the demonstration, I had thirty four people sign up on the day, and I thought to myself, I made it. Like that's it. I've got you did 30. the calculations. I did the calculations in my head. Oh, done. Like now, at least I can pay the rent, pay the electricity, the water, the utility bills. And then those 34 students, by two weeks' time, became 16. (laughs) So then once you do the hard training, people will see, okay, this requires commitment and discipline. And then that's where, you know, the the journey began for me as a martial arts business school owner. Um, So, yeah, and you were one of the early students uh, to join that school. So then, as I said, from the first school, we were there for three years Mm -hmm. and then you know, thank God we outgrew the place and moved to a second location where we were there for another three years and outgrew that location. And then we moved to the current place where we are right now. And we could say we outgrew this one, but we're not moving. (laughs) We're going to stay there. Um, So I want to talk to just a little bit about one of the intensive trainings that we did in Hong Kong. So I've had the opportunity to invite Stefan to go to China to train with my Sifu one time when I was working on a film and he went with another couple of, a few students, right? And then also I organized an intensive training seminar with my Sifu in Hong Kong in 2016. 
and you can see the picture there on the screen. So Stefan is standing right there uh, behind and we've got a bunch of students that went that time around and it was a really great experience for me as the CFO taking a bunch of students to train with their Seagong, but also just to see um, basically the next generation of Wing Chun students taking this wonderful martial art to the next level and being immersed with what it is to train non-stop, you know, without any distractions. And that's the benefit of these intensive training seminars where, you know, we would train six, seven hours yeah. a day, right? Um, we would have a lunch break. We'd start in the morning and finish in the evening. And then we've got this other picture uh, with... Uh, Yip Chun at the Wing Chun Athletic Association, right? So that's also a cool picture. So if you are listening to this episode on iTunes or Spotify, you may want to check the the YouTube link that I'll post down below and you can check out these pictures. It, it, uh, it reminds me um, when we came back and I was showing my mum the photos and, sh and she was not happy because she said, why can't you smile in a photo? <laughs> you said, mom, I, I need to look tough, man. <laughs> yeah. I need to be serious. I mean, serious well, martial artists. Yeah, because there were some shots, even like shots with uh, other sh photos. And Brendan, you know, Brendan has a nice face. He's smiling and uh, not one smile. And she goes, it just you, looks horrible. You look too serious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everyone's smiling in the one at the um, original Wing Chun school and I'm there. <laughs> I've got to learn to smile in photos. Yeah, it was a, a great experience, I guess, for, for everyone and for me in particular, being able to just, it was like a full circle moment. Mm. You know, you always remember as a Wing Chun or as a Kung Fu enthusiast since you're a little kid, you're watching all these Bruce Lee movies and you see all the the buildings, the double-decker buses, and then yeah. you always dream of one day being there. Yeah. So I remember the first time I went to Hong Kong, it was a magical experience for me. And then being there for so many times, training and, and, and sweating it out and sacrificing and thinking of the family and the students back home. And then for me, the next step was to bring Your you students, guys, you yeah. know, and then to be there and see this from a different perspective. For me, it was wonderful. And um, yeah, so we would train all day at the, the school that we had at the time was our headquarters in Hong Kong. And it was run by my Sihing, by Darren. And then we went to visit uh, Grandmaster Ip Chun. We went to visit him and pay our respects and show everyone the, the Wing Chun Athletic Association with a, with a background which is quite nice and unique. And we took those pictures there. Um, so, yeah, well, moving along. Last episode, I spoke of wanting to discuss the topic of keeping it simple and keeping it real. Because to me, Wing Chun is all about that. It's about simplicity. And with its simplicity relies its effectiveness. And many people will get confused thinking that by... The movement being so simple, it may not be effective or maybe in their imagination they think of dealing with a certain attack by using multiple techniques and mm. movements and kicks and punches where really, as you know, many times the easiest way to deal with a, an attack or a confrontation is just 
cover the area you're exposed, you know, cover and counterattack, defend and attack simultaneously. And you will know that you are keeping it real if number one, it feels right. Number two, you see that it's effective, it's, it's working for you because the beauty of these techniques is that you don't need to rely on size, strength, mass for it to be effective. So if it works for me, it should work for you. You may need to maybe adapt a few things here and there, but it should be uh, pretty straightforward for anyone to to apply it. Would you agree? I agree, Sifu. I I think, and also if you overcomplicate something and add more than necessary, it could lead to errors. 100%. you're You're giving yourself more opportunities to make a mistake. For sure. I like the quote that is... I read it in um, this book called the, the Wing Chun Warrior. And people may think that it was written by my Sifu, but actually it wasn't. It was written by another person. But the whole book is based on my Sifu's life and his journey through martial arts. And the quote is, application is the only way to verify the truth. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't agree more, yeah. especially with martial arts. See, it's an art form of fighting. Now, I always say to my students... Martial arts is the only art form where if you get it wrong, you can get a broken nose or a broken rib, right? If we're composing music and you get it wrong, you can just do it again. If you're, you know, doing a painting or a sculpture, you got it wrong, you can fix it, you can start all over again. But if you're fighting and it happens so quick and there's no guarantees of anything and adrenaline is pumping through your body, you're hyperventilating, you have no time to think, you only have time to react. If you make a mistake, it could cost you your life, literally. So when you're training, you have to keep that in mind, right? And then you will see whether the technique is working for you and if you're successful in applying it. So with your own training and all the years that you've been doing martial arts and Wing Chun, what have you found that has worked for you the most when it comes to trying to apply a technique? Mm-hmm. Um, I think when you're training the technique, you shouldn't be... I tr- Personally, I try not to think of scenarios. Right. I just think of it like reps. Yep. So I'm just trying to do as many reps to get it as close to what it needs to be, how it has to feel. And, you know, instead of, I find like I've had training partners where they're kind of thinking a few steps ahead. I don't think like that. I think, all right, if I'm executing this technique, it's just in that moment and I'm trying to perfect it. So then then what I do is take it into sparring. Yep. And then because I'm... I've got a bit of confidence and a bit of it's solid the technique then I try to apply it in the game. Do I like you, that. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So whereas yeah if you sort of um, worry too much about oh what's going to happen when I do this then is that guy going to do that and then this and that it slows you down and I remember you telling me early on this is how much time we have in this class and you've got to try and get as met much training like much reps in before the end of the class wasting time and so i kind of think of it like that and you know especially the the what ifs 
what ifs. You know, you know, when you get those students asking, oh, Sifu, but what if, da, 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 or what if the guy does da, 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 this and that. And many times, I mean, when I look at sometimes when I go down the rabbit hole of Wing Chun videos on YouTube, <laughs> and you, yeah. you know, you find yourself wasting 30 minutes of your life watching all these many times uh, videos that make no sense. Anytime I look at a video where the Sifu is basically grabbing the ha student's hand and say, okay, so if the person does this and then he's grabbing here and I do the Lapsa and then the Lapsa is stopped by the Wusao and the Wusao that becomes a Tanta and this and that and that, forget it. That will never work in a real situation. Not that I'm trying to be you know, a hater. No, of course not. I'm not, I'm not that type of person, but I am a person that teaches martial arts for a living and has a true passion for passing on, you know, something useful, something that I know can really benefit the student in a real situation where self-defense is so crucial, so important. Yes. So yeah, definitely. Also one thing, Sifu, with truth, I think you find yourself who you really are when you're applying it. I agree. You know, like sometimes you, you don't really know what you're capable of. Exactly. Till, you know, you have to defend, you know, I'm not trying to make this, but when you're sparring, you know, all right, I didn't really execute this technique. I need to work on it more. Yep. And also when you get, you go through a bit of adversity, how can you come Overcome. through it? Yeah. And that's yeah. the truth, the yeah. ultimate truth about who you are. True. I agree. Another important factor when it comes to learning martial arts, regardless of it being Wing Chun or any other style, is that time does not equal quality, okay? You get that person that says, I've been doing this for 51 years and rah, rah, rah. Okay, great. If you've been doing the real thing, perfect. But if you haven't, then the time does not equal quality. Like I could be you know, pouring sugar outside the cup for 50 years or 20 years and the tea will never taste sweet, <laughs> right? So you have to make sure that when you practice, you are doing something that makes sense, okay? I've seen so many times, and maybe you have as well, people with, you know, smart people, successful people, not kids anymore, you yeah. know? mid-30s, mid-40s, whatever, successful people learning martial arts and they're being taught nonsense and they buy it. I don't know if it's because they have too much admiration for the person teaching or they get involved in, you know, these mystical stories about power or I don't know what it is, but... I think sometimes it's the power of the teacher. Right. Like... You know, we're kind of taught to respect our teachers mm -hmm. and, you, you know, you go to someone that's supposedly an expert. So you, if you're not, I think this time and age people are becoming more critically minded. Right. But that it's easy just to let someone lead you. Right. And you blind, kind of just, if, an, you know, this person's a martial arts master and they say, this is how you do it. I think... I think people could get away with it a lot easier before YouTube. Yeah. Because now, I mean, talk about the younger generation, mm -hmm. like my son David's generation and teenagers, 
they're they're tech savvy. They what do you do? Oh, you do this. Oh, da, 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 da. In, yeah. in two two minutes, they've got access yeah. to many video clips of people practicing something mm. similar, and then they'll see whether what they're being taught makes sense. It's right. It's wrong. Or even if you're able to just basically apply the technique yeah. in a safe, friendly environment, but say fight drills mm-hmm. or, or sparring. Anyway, so that I believe is very important and it's all about building your confidence. So as the screen says, confidence is everything because you know it doesn't only have to be with fighting drills. It could be just saying to yourself, I'm going to go tonight 7 p.m and do the best workout that i can and something happened during the day and uh you know something happened at school or at work or your kids but guess what 7 p.m there you were doing your best training hard sweating it out and then that strengthens your confidence because you kept your word to yourself it's Mm -hmm. not about what you say to other people many times but it's what you say to yourself if you say i'm going to do this and you do it makes you feel good and and that i believe helps you also build your confidence if if you're not confident you can't execute yep so if inspiring or anything like that it's not going to happen if you if you don't have confidence in what you're doing 100 percent. okay guys so for the next episode a couple of different things that i would like to discuss one of them being, should you get fit before you start training Wing Chun? Um, I get that question actually quite a bit. And also starting with the end in mind with your training. And guess what? It's not just for your training. That is for everything we do in life. And then, you know, we're running out of time for today. But how about for our next episode, we start talking about or discussing some fight scenes from movies Maybe we could start um, a series of, you know, what we believe is effective yep. and or theatrical in fight scenes. Yeah. Yeah. So let's do that. And as usual, guys, if you haven't already, you can check out umauniversity.com.au. That's my online academy. And you can sign up for the free introductory applied Wing Chun course. Um, and that's about it. So, Stefan, thanks very much for joining me on this episode. Thanks for having me, Sifu. So, guys, if you're watching this on YouTube and you like the episode, please give us a thumbs up, share it with a friend, and don't forget to subscribe to the channel. If you're listening to this on iTunes or Spotify, I would greatly appreciate a five-star rating and maybe a, a nice comment there. And uh, that's it for today, everyone. Thanks again, Stefan. Thanks. And uh, we'll see you all on our next episode.